You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Hello, how are you? Happy Mother's Day. Uh, If you've been around me this morning, um, you might have smelt um, peppermint. I I smell like a big peppermint candy right now. Um, I have have, my back went out, and uh, I was so blessed to have Austin offer me his muscle rub. I'm so glad it's a generic brand so that I could just say muscle rub. Uh, And I put this on my back this morning, so I smell like peppermint. I smell like muscle rub, pain-relieving cream. And uh, it's very ironic because this morning we are going to be talking about smell. Uh, Turn to your neighbor and take a whiff for just a second. Go ahead. Smell your neighbor. And if they won't let you smell them, tell them, smell you later, right? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Certain smells are appealing and certain smells are repelling, right? Uh, They can take us to a place. They can take us to a memory. (coughs) Research was done and it says, the research says that smell is the most powerful memory enhancer in the world. That means certain smells spark memories unlike any other thing that you can imagine. A smell, for example, like if you've ever had holidays and you like, it's Mother's Day today, happy Mother's Day, and and, uh, maybe there's a meal that your mom used to make you when you were a kid and and uh, whenever you smell that, you immediately, boy, you go back to being a kid, right? I mean, all those memories flood in of, of that certain event, that certain activity. And, and boy, they just, it's amazing. Holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, special Mother's Day events, whatever. They just bring back our memories. And they take us a place. They take us away, don't they? They take us uh, sometimes to a place we want to be. And sometimes smells make us run away also, right? I mean, if you've, uh, unless you want to bottle the smell of a skunk, uh, that is a smell not only do you want to run away from, but you want to avoid and, and you wish you hadn't, you know, gone down that street where somewhere, maybe days earlier, something got hit. And certain smells are inviting and warm and certain smells are repelling and make you run away. I've got some examples here of some smells that we're going to talk about here in a minute. And and I could use some help. Can I get a couple of people to come down and help me real quick? Uh, Kevin, you can come on down. And um, Austin, you can come on down. Uh, Now, this is the most powerful, nice, I think. Uh, This, (laughs) it's a contest. He won. Um, These, I think, are the most powerful fragrance uh, room fragrances I've ever uh, had. We've ever had. You know, you had the, like aerosol and room deodorizers. These are pretty powerful and a little dab will do you. But I want you to go all the way to the back and I want you just just one like pss, just one little pss, and then take a few steps like midway and then pss, and then take a few steps, you know, to the ground and pss, and then kind of make your way down. Don't do a lot. I'm telling you. Um Let's let you guys pick which one you like. I've got here, um, who knows what this smells like. I mean, it's, it smells good, but it's called sweet pea. Yeah, it's a beautiful smell. This one 
is cinnamon and clove buds. I me likey that one. I like that one. All right. And this one is brown sugar and fig. So I'm going to let you, Austin, you got brown sugar and fig. If you go that way and be very, very sparing. They're super strong and um, they're not going to fill up the room. It's just a little bit of smell because I want you to think about the aromas that we have, that we interact with, that we get, that we uh, deal with. I want to talk to you about smell and I want to talk to you about what you smell like. And, uh, and I want to talk about how your neighbor smells, how your mom smells, how your dad smells. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how God uses change to change us and shape us and how God uses certain things in our life to help us to smell good. Did you get the bottom area? All right. Can you guys smell that yet? No? Why don't you walk up the middle a little bit and do a little dab that way, a little dab this way. It is super strong. Uh, I tell you, sometimes, anybody smelling it yet? Anybody smelling it yet? All right. Boy, even all the way to the middle. Now, we want to be, uh, we don't want to overdo it because I know some of you are have like real sensitive smell. Don't, yeah, definitely do not spray it at people. It is so strong. They're, they're, you can get these at... Um, at, well, I'm not going to tell you where because it's not a commercial here. Um, but we like these things and we use these a lot. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, how about some sweet pea? There we go. All right. All right, get it out of your system. Do you guys like that smell? Some of you guys are like, woo, already. <laughs> All right. Well, good. I want you to experience the aroma. It's amazing how just a little bit of aroma can change your comfort level, can change the environment, can change your emotions, your feelings, your attitude. And uh, depending on if you like different fragrances or not, um, you know, they, 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 they all serve a, a unique purpose. They change immediately the environment of the place. Well, in 2 Corinthians, we're going to talk today about the messy process again of becoming more like Christ and how sometimes when things don't go the way we want, we find out that God is actually making us more into what he wants. So going, wow, sweet pea just got to me, just get made it this way. So let's jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at verse uh, 12, and we're going to talk about some trouble in Troas, all right? Now, it starts off in chapter 2, verse 12, saying, Now, when I went to Troas... Now, let me give you a little background on this experience right here. You can take a look at this map. The Apostle Paul had went and planted churches all over Galatia, which is now Turkey, and Greece. And he planted churches, and he would often go back and visit them. And he was wanting to deal with a very intense, disgruntled group of people that he planted a church at in Corinth. And he couldn't get there anytime soon. So what he was hoping to do was to meet a friend of his, 
named Titus, who basically had spent quite a bit of time in Corinth. He was going to meet Titus in Troas, and Titus was going to basically, hopefully, give him the lowdown on the situation in Corinth, give him some peace of mind, and help him to kind of settle some of his unrest that he's had about all the trouble that's going on in this church that he loves so much. So he planned to meet Titus in Troas, and this is what happened. It says, now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. Now I want to say this. If you have a Bible, I want you to underline or circle, the Lord opened a door for me there. Right where he was on his way to Macedonia, on his way to Philippi, he was just stopping there primarily to meet with Troas. A door was opened up for him, even though he was just passing through. And I want you to hear this for a second, because I want to ask you, where are you right now? Some of you, you can't wait to get out of your job. You can't get, you can't wait to get out of that neighborhood. You can't wait to get out of this state. Some of you, you are anxious to move on, and I want you to know something, that if you will just hear God, God will open a door for you right where you are. Sometimes we're so anxious to look to the next place that we miss that God is opening a door right here. I think that's kind of interesting. He was passing through, and he saw that God opened a door for him, which meant the people were receiving the gospel in a very unique way in the city of Troas. By the way, it's the city also known as Troy. And if you know the backstory of Troy and, the, you know, that horse and all that kind of, you, you know, if you want the fake story, watch the movie Troy. It's not accurate, but that's the city of Troas. So it was a pretty good city, pretty good size, important military city. Right where he was, a door was opened. How about you? Is there a door opening for you that you just can't see because you're anxious for the next place? He says, verse 13, but I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. Remember, he was going there to meet Titus, hopefully to get some peace of mind about Corinth because Titus was going to give him all the lowdown about what was going on because Titus had been there for a while. But a door had opened up for Paul But yet he was still heavy in his heart, depressed. He still had no peace of mind. Paul needed some peace of mind about the issue in Corinth. He was heavy hearted. He needed a friend and he waited and he waited. But Titus was a no-show in the city of Troas. So he says, verse 13, so I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. Now, I can't help but wonder here. Paul was concerned about both Titus and Corinth. Things did not go as planned. Things did not go as he had expected. Things were not as he had hoped they were. And he headed on to Philadelphia, uh, to um, Philippians, not Philadelphia. That's a long trip, right? Uh, Even though there was an open door for him in Troas, his heart was so troubled by the situation in Corinth that he decided not to stay. Now, I can't help but read that and go, should he have stayed in Troas? There was obviously a door open for him, and he could have stayed there and really done a great work. But he let his depression, he let his, his, his confusion, his, his heavy-heartedness about somebody else, he let his emotions dictate his direction. We do the exact same thing. Now, I don't know if he should have stayed in Troas or not. 
But we know it's clear God opened a door. His heart was heavy. He did not have peace of mind, so he left. I think sometimes we leave and we want to get out of a situation because we don't like the situation we're in. But God says, open your eyes. I've got something for you right where you are. Well, he left. He was heavy hearted. His schedule was messed up. He was facing trouble. But look at verse uh, verse 14. He says this, but thanks be to God. In the middle of all his chaos and his confusion and his misdirection, I want you to write this down. When things don't go as planned, praise. When things don't go as planned, praise the Lord. Praise God. Don't praise him because of the chaos. And don't praise him because you have trial and tribulation or confusion or you have depression or don't have peace of mind. But you praise him in spite of the situation. And I think you're going to find that this is a character trait of Paul that he had his whole life that I think really allowed him to be used so great. Because if you read the story of Paul, he did not have roses and rainbows and care bears and unicorns. He had a life of great trial and trouble, but he was always thankful in his heart. When things don't go as planned, praise him. When you're depressed, praise him. When you are frustrated, praise him. When you are sick in your body, praise him. When you feel alone and deserted, praise him. When you get fired from your job, praise him. When you are struggling financially, praise him. When your family is in chaos, praise him. When your marriage seems unfixable, praise him. Whatever the circumstance, life does not always turn out the way we plan. Praise him. But thanks be to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5.20 almost says the exact same thing. Verse 14, go on, it says, But thanks be to God who always, everybody say always. Thanks be to God who always, that means without fail, leads us as captives. What? He leads us as captives. He leads us as prisoners. He leads us as, the word there is actually, the word captive is meaning that he takes us as a slave. Some translations don't say the word as captives. They just say leads us in triumph. For the rest of the verses, he leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. The the context is as a captive. Because the word leads us in, in, uh, in triumph means as one who's triumphed over us. And the image here is this. I want you to hear this out. And when, when Paul wrote this, immediately what came to mind was a procession or a parade. So he is thankful in the midst of his chaos that in spite of his chaos, he is led as a captive in a parade. And immediately they thought of, of a great parade, a triumphant procession, that after 
the general has left and, and squelched the rebellion in a neighboring country or their own nation where there's like rebellion or civil war. They basically take captive those that are rebellious and bring them back. And when they enter back into the city, there's a giant parade. And they have, you know, pomp and circumstance and banners and they're burning incense. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And they are led by the great general who set their nation in order and is bringing with them those that he took captive. Now, what's interesting about this verse, and I love this, and I want you to hear this. He has conquered those people. Those held captives were those who were in rebellion, but he conquered them and he now takes them as his own servants. Paul is saying this. In other words, Paul is saying, thanks be to God for Christ has overpowered me and taken me captive by Jesus, the great hero and general. He was saying that his rebellious heart had been defeated and He'd been brought to faith and forgiveness, and he was glad and willing to serve the greatest general whoever, whoever was, and that is Jesus Christ. Paul understood surrender. And I want you to write this down. When things don't go as planned, surrender. That's the hardest part, right? When things don't, don't go as planned, we like, man, we get out our charts. Man, we start, you know, Crunching the numbers. We start trying to figure out what we can do to fix the problem. And sometimes there's things you need to do. But most of the time, what you need to do is just surrender. Paul got this. He says, you know what? I can't handle the situation with Corinth. They're, they're driving me crazy. I'm writing this letter because my heart is heavy and I'm stressed out. I can't be there with them. I'm writing this letter to hopefully get some things fixed. I was hoping to hear from Titus. All that did was bring me more depression and, and a lack of peace because he wasn't there. He couldn't think straight, but thanks be to God, I surrender. God, I don't get it. My plans don't always work out. This job wasn't as good as I thought. This house wasn't a good idea, right? Maybe this relationship should not have been begun, but God, I surrender. I love this picture here. Lord, there's, the doctors say there's nothing that can be done. God, I, I will praise you and I surrender. He says, I'm thankful because I'm always led without fail by a great general who has squelched and conquered my rebellious heart. Jesus is triumphant. Paul is now in his service. The great general has conquered his life, and Paul will go wherever the general leads. Paul is not his own, and this is the key. When we get to the place where we can say, God, conquer my heart, that's my prayer. God, conquer me. Break the rebellion of my heart. Squelch me. God, make me into a humble slave unto you. This is the picture here. That is one of the most powerful prayers you can pray. God, break me. God, conquer me. God, ruin my life. God, shake everything that can be shaken until nothing is left but you alone. And Paul experienced that city after city when things did not work out, when he was abused, when he was attacked, when he was in prison, when he was beaten. 
He said, God, I surrender. You're the general. I'm a captive. Wherever you lead, I will follow. When life, when plans, when your situation does not go how you had wished, surrender. God, wreck my life. Defeat me. Conquer me. Here's some Areas that Paul understood that we needed to surrender. And I want to encourage you, what are some areas you need to surrender? Maybe you need to surrender um, your stuff. There's four areas of surrender. Maybe you need to surrender your stuff. Some of you are like, well, God, you can have my heart. You can have my spirit, but not my stuff. God, you, you can have uh, my Sunday mornings, but you can't have my things. You can't have my, you know, my treasure. You can't have my, 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 my house. You can't, God, this is my house. God, that's my bank account. God, that's my things. That's my TV. God, this is my furniture. Lord, I work hard. This is, that's my lawn. Some of you, it's time to surrender your stuff because you're going to find that all that's going to break eventually. All of it will rot away. It'll be in a garage sale for some youth fundraiser eventually. You'll be replacing it one day. Why not say, God, I surrender my stuff. It's yours. And while I have it, God, if I can use it for your kingdom, so be it. Another thing, not only your stuff, surrender your status. Some of you, you've got, uh, you're so worried. What, what do people think? Yeah, I'm in Christian church here. I'm going to be like a Christian here. But on Monday, man, I don't want people to know I'm a believer. They might treat me different. They might expect me to live like a Christian for crying out loud. And I don't want my status to be messed with, so I'm going to reserve my, my compartmentalized Christian life to Wednesdays, maybe, small group during the week, and maybe Sunday. But Monday, man, I, I'm my own man. I'm my own status. And you, you, you don't want to surrender that perception of who you are. Man, God says, I want your status. I want what people think about you to be me. Another thing is that, man, I, God, I, I, I don't want to surrender my sin. Some of you guys, you, you're, you've got a habit that you just don't want to let go out of your life because, honestly, you like that habit. You like how it makes you feel. You like the comfort that it brings. You might not like how you feel afterwards, but you're quickly over that because you want it again. And you want it again. You say, God, you can have my life, but I'll keep the habit because I know you still love me. Oh, how he loves me. He loves me. Oh, how we let, and you sing that song, thank you God for loving me because I have a habit I don't want to give you. Surrender your sin. Some of you, it's yourself, it's your life, it's your future. And some of you are like, God, you can have my, my words, you can even have my, 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 my morals. Maybe you're a good, decent person, but God, I'm going to decide where I'm going. I'm going to dictate my life. Lord, you can have that experience of church and prayer, and, but Lord, my life is mine. And some of you, you need to surrender yourself. See, Paul got it. He found peace. That's why he was able to say, thank you, God, that I'm a captive. I've been conquered. Second Corinthians 2.14, he goes on, he says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives, those who surrender, in Christ's triumphal procession, Christ the victor. Not only did Paul understand submission to Christ, but he also found hope knowing that God was always, without fail, leading him to victory. And I want you to write this down, is that when things don't go as planned, no, God is leading you to victory. 
And this is the beauty of a surrendered life, is that if I'm surrendered to the king, and you know, I don't always know where my life is going. And that's the beauty of surrender. It's also the fear of surrender. God, I don't, I'm going to pursue this, but Lord, ultimately your will be done. And if it doesn't work out, God, I'm going to go to Troas and God, I've got plans to meet Titus, but Lord, if it doesn't work out, Lord, even if I make the wrong decision and leave Troas because my heart is heavy, thanks you, uh, thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord, that you are still leading me and guiding me. That's the beauty of knowing that he will lead us to victory. When your marriage is failing, thanks be to God, he leads us as captives to victory. When your health is failing, thanks be to God that he leads us to victory. When our life is in chaos, thanks be to God, he leads us to victory. Those that surrender to the general, he leads to victory. Some of you are not ready to surrender, so you don't experience and know that victory. Jesus is triumphant and leading those who are his in the face of sickness and heartache, either in this life or the next. Thank God, I know I am victorious. If you are a child of God, I want you to do something. I want you to close your eyes. If you are a child of God, if you've surrendered to him, I want, I want you to do something. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to put your hand up in the air. And I want you to make a fist. And I want you to say with complete confidence in your heart, and you can say it out loud, say, I am victorious. Come on, if you're a child of God and you believe that, know that you are victorious. Say, I am victorious. Thank God, Lord, that in the face of complete chaos and confusion, you are leading me to victory. So, you guys, you need to say that more often. You need to get up in the morning and say, thanks be to God who leads me in triumphant procession. Thank you, God, that you are leading me to victory today, even though I don't feel victorious. Even though I feel sick in my body, even though I feel weak in my soul, even though there's more month than there is money. God, thank you that you are leading me to victory. That's a great word for some of you today. You need to start living this. Romans 8.31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 28, you know that verse? All things work good for those who love God and called according to his purpose. 1 John 4, 4 says, The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 John 3, 20 says, If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Then this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. There is victory. Though our life may decay, there is victory. Amen for that. Amen. In this parade of life, sometimes unaware of where we are going or what we are to do, I want you to write this down. What are we to do? We're to smell good. I want to talk about the aroma of God. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession 
and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. In ancient victory parades, when that general came through and he was leading all those captive, all those rebellious uh, hearts that have been uh, surrendered to him, there is a, um, if you've ever seen Gladiator, there's clips in Gladiator where they're preparing and going in for that Gladiator thing. It's a very similar parade. And they would have incense burning. And people would be walking around uh, uh, with burning incense, burning uh, candles, and, and the, the entire city took over the aroma of victory. And what's interesting about this is that the streets were filled with the scent of victory. It declared that the hero has come. It declared that the hero is here. It gave way to the general, gave way to the hero. So I want you to write this down. When things don't go as planned, smell good. I'm not talking about taking a shower, though. Some of you, you might want to think about that. This is what happens. Our reliance, our dependence and thankfulness to God in spite of our situation turns us into great incense into the world. We become God's incense in the world. Let me give you a little bit of background on the whole role of incense in the Bible and how it works out. The role of incense is quite interesting. In the Old Testament, um, all through uh, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, and Numbers, it often talks about how... uh, the presence of God was a sweet aroma and that it was incense uh, was often burned in the temple. In fact, it was to be burned 24-7 in the temple of God and in the tabernacle. It was offered up to God as a burnt offering. Incense was forever to be burning as a symbol of God's presence there. Whenever that aroma was there, they knew God was there. And though they couldn't quite see the presence of God, that aroma reminded them that God is present. And they would often burn the incense not only as a symbol of his presence, but to offer up as worship to him. So it served kind of a multi-purpose. It said, God is here, and God, I recognize that you are here. In Luke 24, the original Spice Girls came to the gravesite to anoint Jesus with spices. He had been buried and it had been three days in the grave. So these Spice Girls showed up with oils and scents to anoint Jesus, but he was resurrected. He was alive. He was gone. They were bringing Old Spice. They They were bringing the oils. They were bringing the oils and the spices to anoint what they thought was a dead body. But what Christ was resurrected into was a new spice. And I want you to hear this out. Is that now the aroma is not meant to be oil. It is meant to be you and me. We are now that fragrance, that oil, that incense to the world that declares the presence of God. For the Holy Spirit is now in us. Wherever that oil, wherever that incense, wherever that ointment was, it represented the Holy Spirit. We still see that in anointing people with oil because the oil, that incense, that beautiful aroma oil, always represented the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says if you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And now you are now the fragrant one. You are the one who declares the presence of God and offers up recognition of his presence through worship. See, the old Spice Girls wanted to bring the old way 
but Christ wants a new way. Malachi 1.11 says, My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises, where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. That is actually a prophecy of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that declares that whole chapter of Malachi, specifically Malachi chapter 2 is about the return of Christ into our life and how we are now that burning fragrance. Matthew 26 says that a woman came to Jesus broken in spirit and she had this alabaster box which was basically her entire life savings in oil and fragrance. It was filled with expensive perfume and she broke it and she poured it all over Jesus' feet and began to worship him. His disciples began to question her motives, her heart, and why that wasn't used for other purposes. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is worship. This is brokenness. She gave everything she had, everything that was valuable in her life, and she's pouring it now into my life. This is a picture of of our worship. In fact, I want you to hear this out before we we break this down a little bit further. The Hebrew word for ointment is the is the word and I, I know you may not be in the Hebrew stuff, but this is really cool. Is the word shemin. And I want you to hear this. The word shemin is from the word seed. So basically that that the context of that word is that the word ointment means seed because when you when you take a seed and you crush it, and it's when it's a certain type of seed, you crush it and you break that seed. When the seed is crushed is when the fragrance comes forth. So all those ointments and oils and all those things that we use, you know, perfume is a little bit different nowadays, but in that time, the ointments were from seeds that were crushed. And God is saying this, this is so unique. He says, if you will crush the seed, the fragrance will come forth. And maybe you've heard this, if you crush a peanut, you get peanut oil. If you crush an olive, you'll get olive oil. I can't help but wonder where baby oil comes from. (laughs) But when the seed is crushed, the fragrance follows. And I want you to hear me out on this. Jesus on the cross was crushed for you and for me. And some of you, it still blows my mind. When I see the cross, when I see Jesus, when I think of what he's done for me, And how morbidly grotesque it is. I can't help but think how beautiful it is. To those that don't know Christ, it's morbid and bloody and nasty. To those of us that know Christ, it is life. It is salvation. It is the power of God. And I'm thankful. It is beautiful. The wonder, the awe, the beauty of the blood and the cross. He was crushed for us. And what came forth was a fragrant oil. That when I acknowledge that cross and I'm in his presence. I can't help it, but know that the presence of God is here. Ephesians 5 puts it this way. He says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul understood that as Christ was crushed, we too will be crushed and that the aroma of God If we are crushed, it might come out of us too. So what's that smell? 2 Corinthians 2.15, we're going to wrap it up with these few thoughts. It says, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. This tells us who we're to smell good for. 
two groups of people. We're to smell good to other Christians. We have a priority to smell good to each other. How do we, I mean, how do you smell to your small group? How do you smell to the people in this room? When you check your kids in, how do you smell? When, when you're helping people check in their kids, when you're passing out worship guides, when you're setting up, when you're on the worship stage, you know, how do you smell? When people are, are with you, when they go out to lunch with you or when they're hanging out with you, how do you reflect Jesus to other Christians? How are, and this is a big one, how are you resolving conflicts and encouraging others? I tell you, I've been around other Christians, I think they stink because their spirit is so selfish and their attitude is so negative. I'm like, man, you need to get a bath because you are, you don't reflect the aroma of God and I, I'm just repelled. And, the, and, and this is so important because the Bible says, Jesus said, the world will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And this is key. The Bible doesn't say they'll know you are mine by how you love the world. He says they'll know you are mine by how you love each other, those within the community of faith. And if we can't love each other in the community of faith, we will stink to the world. They will want nothing to do with Jesus. They'll definitely want nothing to do with the church. They'll know we are believers. They'll know we are as disciples by our love for one another in the community of faith. He goes on to say, and uh, John does in 1 John three fourteen. he says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Ephesians 4 says, be humble, patient, forgiving, make every effort to keep the unity. When we love each other, that smells good to God. And to the world, the aroma draws people to the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. Unity is the aroma of God. When we are in unity here, the world is attracted to that aroma. And when the church is fighting, and you've seen it, if you've been in church for any amount of time, people are people. We, we, we aren't perfect, and people get angry. with They get upset. And there are some churches, they never resolve the conflict and it just turns into this big, ugly church political mess. And people are like, man, if that's the church, I don't want anything to do with it. There are countless people who have left the church years and years because they've had a bad experience in a church and it stunk because the aroma was poor. The aroma is the presence of God. Our unity brings his presence. He says we're to smell good to those who are being saved and those who are perishing. That means we're to smell good for those who don't know Jesus. Very simple. How do you smell to your friends? How do you smell to that guy at work? How do you smell to that lady that you know at work, that neighbor? Do you smell around your friends? Do they sense, man, there's something, I don't know what it is. I know you're Christian, but I don't know what it is about you. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives off a fragrance that is a drawing of his presence. Remember, the the incense in a parade was a declaration that the king is here. The king has come. Get ready. Because the king has arrived and he's triumphed over me. And, And I want you to be a part of this aroma. And when you get this in your mind that when things don't go as planned and you decide to praise him and you decide to surrender and you decide to smell good, you're saying, God, use me. And you know what? That's when they say, if you bring your petitions and your prayer requests known to God, the Bible says that the the God that 
you know, that the, the peace that surpasses understanding will overtake you. Because they'll look at you going, I know your life is falling apart, but how do you, how do you remain so peaceful? I, I know that your marriage doesn't seem to be working right, but how, do you, how are you so thankful? I know that you're sick in your body and, and you have this chronic pain or you've got this disease, but how do you remain so faithful and surrendered to God? Man, it's the Holy Spirit and the aroma of God is drawn to that. I mean, people are drawn to that. Do your words, actions, love, and life give the aroma of God? He goes on to say in verse 16, it says, To the one we are an aroma that brings death, <coughs> to the other an aroma that brings life. Those respond to the Holy Spirit, the cross, that aroma is life. But those who do not respond, the cross is foolishness and pointless sometimes. First Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God. Paul declares that God conquered him. He's leading him in triumph. And even in his suffering, he's crushed by the king. But thanks be to God because he's becoming an aroma of victory to the world. Here's that next verse. He says, uh, 16b, he says, and who is equal to the task? Basically, who can do this? Who is prepared to be able to take on this, this a role? Is there anyone here at all that is willing to say, God ruined my life? God is just wreck me right now. Because I want to tell you something. If you say, God wrecked my life, guess what God will do? He might just wreck your life. If you say, God, shake everything that can be shaken until only you remain, guess what he might do? He might shake everything in your life so that you're completely, totally relying upon him. Who's equal to this task? Who could God use to do this? Verse 17, he tells us, he says, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Those who are truly Christ give off this aroma. There's two things this verse tells us two things that stink to God. Two things that stink to God. That first one is corrupt and selfish motives. He says, we don't peddle the word of God for profit. And I I think sometimes God looks at the church in general and he says, that stinks. Sometimes he looks at churches and he thinks, man, that stinks. The focus is money. For many, their Christian faith is a focus on blessing and prosperity and possessions rather than on God being an aroma in my brokenness. And I think if we are so obsessed with using Christ as a stepping stone to get stuff we want, I think that stinks to God. And I think that is what a lot of churches preach. I think that's what many of them uh, give the impression of. Ecclesiastes 10.1 says, A dead fly causes even a perfume to stink. So a little foolishness spoils even great wisdom and honor. Uh, right after I graduated from high school, my mom began to charge rent. Thank you, mom. Now I know how to treat my daughters because when you graduate, girls, you're going to pay rent. I'm just kidding. My mother was a good mother. She took care of us. She did her very best. She was a single mom off and on, and she had a difficult life, difficult challenges, and I love her. I'm so thankful for her. My mother 
was a, 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 just a wonderful woman. Uh, right after I graduated from high school, I got a job. Uh, the only job I could get was one of those newspaper jobs, you know, where, you know, no experience required, own your own business. <laughs> You've heard those. Uh, and, and basically, I sold designer fragrances. You know those guys? Maybe you've seen them. They have boxes. And uh, your trunk is your warehouse. Your front seat is your office. And you're your own manager, right? And basically, what we had to do is we would go from, we would meet in the morning. And in the mornings, they would have, we'd meet in an office that had pictures of boats and houses and cars and stuff. And they'd give us like, this could be yours if you just get out there and sell perfume. And it never dawned on me, and you know, really, perfume could get me a boat? You know, and I was thinking, yeah, I just need to get out there and sell one more bottle. I mean, the house is mine one day, right? And they would give us this pep rally, pump us up, go, go, go. Come on, get out there and do it. And I'd spend my own money to buy cases of designer fragrances. And then I would basically go from business to business, say, hey, I'm in the area making some deliveries. I got some designer fragrances left over, going at half price. Here, psst. I'd, you know, spray them before they realized it. And while they were going, before they could even get that smells good, I like, you write checks out to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Make them out to me. And I would go from business to business. They would tell us, they would teach us how to um, avoid the cops and how to dodge security. Like, for instance, you go to a high-rise building and go to the top first, and you go to, like, to third, and then you go to seventh, and you go to two, and you go to five, then you go to one. Just jump around. They can't find you, baby. And they would tell us, when you see a door that says no solicitors, that means the management knows that they will buy stuff and they want them to work. So go in there anyways, because they're going to buy something. So we were told to ignore the solicitation signs, to dodge high-rise buildings, and I even got escorted out of the city of Richardson by a police officer one time. Because I was called by security, but they, they couldn't, and it's not against the law to solicit. So they would tell us in these, pep, you know, they would tell us security guards are nothing but janitors with a badge because all they do is turn lights off and empty trash cans. So don't, they're not police. They're not going to hurt you. They would just lie to us, all these sort of things. Just not that they weren't true, but they were just kind of giving us a disrespect because they were, man, we had a, we had a freak, man, we had the deal. We had, you know, well, this is, uh, this is legitimate. This is Ralph Lauren romance. My wife got me this because I'm so romantic. And uh, this is a man's cologne, a man's cologne. So teenagers, this isn't for you. This is romance. But I would, you know, this, this, this is expensive. These little perfume, the real ones are expensive. And we would have designer fragrance. We'd have the polo and the, the no-label bottles, right? We'd have the 20-ounce bottle. I'm like, I would give them the whole pitch. You know, that's it, it, the same thing as what you buy in the department stores, but you're not paying for the greenery, the trees, and the other stock. I mean, you can get it right here. In the, in the, and, and basically, I, I was selling as I was walking out with my groceries at a grocery store. I even would stop at stop signs and roll down my window and say, hey, you want some fragrances? You want? You, you work alone? You know? And I eventually had to just, it, was, it began to consume me because that's what they do. They kind of... It, you, they make you obsessive over it. And I just had to, you know, I, I had to get out of that. But um, the idea here is this. There are no patents on smell. You cannot patent a smell. You can patent a name. So there are tons of imitations of the real deal. And what's interesting about the imitations, the imitations smell just like them, but they wear off very quickly. 
There are a lot of people who are um, imitation fragrance wearers. By the way, here's a tip for you guys. Spray, then walk into it, okay? That's a tip for you men, just, just to let you know. And ladies, pulse points, you know. I don't know how that works. Like your pulse is so big that it just... But the imitations wear off, don't they? But the real fragrance, the real deal, they last. I've got, this is the real deal. And when my wife wants to feel romantic, it's pretty noisy over there. When my wife wants to feel romantic, she puts on a little rapture by Victoria's Secret. And I'm just raptured. The theologically obscure rapture. (laughs) And then I've got, for for my daily use, I've got this body spray, which takes about 20 sprays for it to do anything. (laughs) Right? Now I'm going to smell like romantic. I hope that's not Bigelow. (laughs) CEO Bigelow Barber. Well, it smells good. It's from Bed Bath & Beyond. All right, or Bath & Body Works. Obviously, uh, you spray, you know, it takes a lot more effort to get the phonies to last, but the real deal lasts. I, I want you to hear this out. I want you to think about this. You can't bat a smell, therefore there's a lot of imitations, but you can't fool God. And scientists have been able to artificially create different smells like a cheap imitation, but they wear off quick and the real deal lasts. You know, there's around 3,000 different ingredients ranging ranging from fruits, flowers, woods, and animal glands. FYI, the most expensive ingredient is pure elk musk, which is the secretion produced by a male elk in parts of the world. Gross, right? But you're wearing it. Um, Pure musk is sold at a staggering price of $75,000 a kilo. Pure musk. Because the real deal is powerful. And corrupt and selfish motives are a disaster in this world and they repulse our God. And since... Insincere worship and praise. This is the last thought here. Two things that stink. Selfish motives and insincere prayer and worship. We speak before God with sincerity. Worshiping God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it makes sense. By the way, the spelling of sense, makes sense on your notes, is purposeful. It means the smell, sense, with a C. And when you worship, it makes sense. Are you trying to live the Old Spice way? by actions, by worldly actions, or the new spice way from the inside out. Put away the old way. God does not want a splash of passion. He does not want a dab of doing good. But he wants us to live a life of aroma to the world for God. Perfume can go bad. If you have it long enough, it will start to stink. And I think we often offer God stinky, half-baked, insincere, old, smelly worship. And you know what? God thinks it stinks too. It reminds me of a fly fishing sign that I saw. Old fishermen never die. They just smell that way. 
That was funny. You should have laughed. There's a biblical character in the Bible. Her name is Esther in the Old Testament. Esther spent a year bathing in perfume and oil just so that she could spend five minutes with the king. What effort do you put into smelling good for your king? Take a look at 2 Corinthians 2.14 again. It says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession as and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. When life is confusing, when you feel crushed, we can break forth with praise to the whole world. God wants to show you off. I want you to write this down. Last thing, when things don't go as planned, God has a bigger plan. And that is his aroma in the world. He's up to something great when you feel crushed. When we smell good, he is glorified. Like a proud mother who says, this is my child. Like a proud mother who who wants to show off all his trophies. Like Like a proud mother that wants to talk and brag about his accomplishments. Like a proud mother, they can't wait to see that choir presentation or that musical ensemble or that, or to, to hear that song that their son or daughter put together. Like a proud mother who says, check out the pics on my phone. There's like a thousand, but I want you to look at every one of them because that's my grandbaby. That's my daughter's baby. That's my son. Isn't he awesome? That's my son's wife. I love them. Check out. They're proud. Just like a proud mother who says, read my post about my family. He said, we're saying, look, world, these are my kids. That's what God does. When we smell good, he's saying, look, look, world, this, this, is, my, this is my family. These are my kids. Look, world, this is, this is my son. This is my daughter. So smell yourself today. Smell your family. And ask yourself, do you stink? You can get your new car smell back by allowing the Holy Spirit's oil to cover you and to wash you and make you new if you will today surrender to the King and join the parade with us. We're going to celebrate the Lord this morning for a few more minutes. Will you take some time to say, God, I surrender, wreck my life. You know what? I want to tell you right now, if you understand that He leads you in triumph, It can be scary to say wreck my life, but it also can be the most peaceful place you'll ever find yourself. So I I don't want to say I dare you. Let the Holy Spirit work on you and say, God, wreck my world. By the way, Paul ended up, when he got to Philippi, Titus was there. And Titus did give him some peace of mind and said things were turning around in Corinth. And Paul was at rest. And he was thankful for the victorious leading of Christ in his life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your broken fragrance for us. The cross was was the seed of faith, the seed of salvation that was crushed for us. And on that cross, when that seed was crushed, God, what came forth from you was a fragrance to the world, to all that will participate and smell and accept this fragrance 
God, thank you that we are more than just floating through life. But God, we are those that are surrendering to a great and glorious and good and kind and generous general hero king. God, help us to surrender so that we might be an aroma to the world, God. Lord, I pray especially for mothers in this room today. Be with them. God, thank you for the aroma of love that they are in their family. God, thank you for the love that they have modeled for us. God, I pray that we would turn around and be that aroma to our family and to our friends and to our world. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.